We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. going on everybody welcome back to another episode here of setting the pace and fachi we are 24 hours away from pacers basketball how you feeling brother oh my god alex i can't (laughs) believe it's nearly upon us it feels like a mini holiday and let's be honest i mean i think of holidays i think we've had quite a few you know holiday brothers in the past but this is a real christmas you know come early pacer basketball is back I'm talking no more talking about DeAndre Ayton trade rumors or anything of the sort. We're talking about the real deal this week. Oh, real deal. Speaking of real deal, Beal, that's who the Pacers are playing Ooh. tomorrow. And I think you kind of set me up there because in your heart of hearts, you know, this is going to be a tough game for you to watch, Vach. You know me, just could not resist setting you up just by saying a real deal. How did I know I fell into your trap? Well, you know what? You did it. I, I didn't even have a trap. You set your own. I, and I right set my own trap, booby trap myself. I'm calling the net. But right now, I am jacked up for this game because, <laughs> Alex, I made a bold prediction. I said I thought the Pacers could potentially start the regular season 3-0. and I no. know it sounds crazy, but you can't go 3-0 and if you don't go 1-0. and And I think this is a winnable game for the opener for the Pacers. It's going to be a tough one. I think I think there's a chance we win it. It's opening night. I think I picked the Pacers to win this game if I'm not mistaken when we did our wins and losses predictions. But, you know, we've had our we've had a hard time before trying to contain Kristaps Porzingis. Uh this is a, a Kyle Kuzma went off on us last year. I feel like every time we played him too. So, you know, that's going to be a challenge. I'm excited to see how this game goes. I don't want to preview it too much because, you know, it's kind of hard to tell at this point in the season, you know, what what this Wizards team is, but I think we're both pretty excited. I feel like this is a game that's winnable we think of the Wizards as a team that is in play in potential we don't really think they're going to be 
a serious playoff contender, but you know, they could make the plan and everything goes right. They've got some new pieces there, but overall, I, I just think when you look at this Wizards team, they're probably for sure on, on paper more talented than the Pacers. But you know, I, I feel like this is one where the home crowd could really have an, an advantage here for the Pacers in trying to get the upset. No, I, I really do think you have to factor all of that in. Look, the Wizards are not a good enough team to say, oh, yeah, no, they can they can definitely get this win on the road. They're really not there. So they're a team that's also looking to, uh, you know, Beal and Porzingis don't really think they got to log. I'm not sure if they got to log any playing time together uh, last year. So that'll be interesting to figure out. And obviously the Patriots are going to be figuring out some things on the fly. So I think this is a game that could go either way. But given the Pacers are at home, I mean, you got to say you like their odds. But at the same point, this is not a guarantee for either side. I mean, last year we saw in the season opener, we lost on the road to the Hornets in a very competitive game. But we saw Chris Duarte have some rookie magic, dropping 27 points in his uh, rookie debut. Does Benedict Matherin score more than 27 points against the Wizards tomorrow? My God, the bar is set high for that. Very high. I mean, first game, can you break the Pacer rookie franchise record? I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be able to do that just because, you know, we don't see him as a starter, at least as of now. I know Duarte did get the start, probably played at least 30 minutes or so. So curious to see how many minutes Matherin plays. But the way Matherin's been playing, I mean, I, I feel like he's got to, he could be good for at least 15 points. That, that's 15 you know, he scored like 18 or more every well, game he, he did but you know also the starters played way less in the preseason so look I would love to be able to make a bold claim and say Matherin breaks the Pacer rookie franchise you know scoring you know in a game but I, setting the bar at 28 points it's really high no, oh, come on, man. I wanted to see you give me a bold prediction. I don't know if I could go that bold. I do like what we have in Matherin here, but I don't know if I'm feeling that. Okay, you that. take the under. I'll take yeah. the over. Let's okay. just get stupid right. Why? Let's Why not? Why not? Ricky's, he's going to drop 30 points in the season opener. Pacers get the dub. That's my prediction for tomorrow night's game. But uh, we're going to do a little bit of a, a kind of a season preview, more of just kind of some talking points here with Chris Denary. In our next segment, I really enjoy having Chris on the show. You know, we're going to be trying to get him on probably monthly, Flatchy, if we can. I just really enjoy talking with him. I think he's got a great pulse of the team. And this season is going to be even more fun for him because he's going to be able to travel and call these games in the arenas uh, of the opposing team. So I think that's going to be beneficial. Uh, Instead of being back at the studio trying to call, which they do a great job. Don't get me wrong. You don't really realize they're not there. But it's, it's just they get that feel of what the on-court experiences live. So I, I think we're really going to enjoy having Chris on uh, regularly throughout the season. But um, any anything else you want to touch on before we get on uh, to our next segment with Chris and Aaron? No, I would just say once you hear Chris on the pod, if you hadn't already heard him in preseason, you just get the feeling that Pacer basketball is back. Clear your plans because the boys are in action against the Washington Wizards. And Chris and Aaron, I mean, who better to call that game than Chris? No, nobody, honestly. I mean, I've been watching the Pacers for a very long time. I remember who it was before Chris Denary was the voice of the Pacers. And it was uh, Marv Albert's brother, I believe, Al Albert, for a while there. So, you know, it, it's just funny. And they were on the WB4 and different channels like that. But uh, Clark Kellogg used to be uh, a color commentator. I think Quinn was on there sometimes as well. But, you know, Chris and Quinn, they've been doing it for a long time together. They got that chemistry. JJ's been doing it for a while now. So, you know, it's just great to see our, our our familiar faces back, and 
we're excited to get some smothered chickens and some other things this season. Uh, but yeah, with that being said, Fachi, let's go ahead and take that first break. And when we come back, we'll bring on the great Kristen Aaron. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Joining us now on Setting the Pace, he is the voice of the Indiana Pacers for your television on Valley Sports Network. It's the one and only Chris Denary. Chris, how's it going, man? Hey, it's great. Uh, just uh, sitting at my desk, uh, doing a bunch of work uh, for Wednesday night's opener. You know, we start off uh, three games in four nights and then hit a, a five-game road trip. So uh, you you jump right back in, right? You have six months off and then you just Go, 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 go. So uh, ready to go. Well, this is just a personal question for me, but I know you have your stat sheets ready and your, and your charts and everything. Are you that detailed in the preseason as well, or is it just the regular season? No, no, I uh, pretty detailed. I mean, uh, my charts uh, for the the three games that we did, we, we sort of had a game that got laid on us very, very late. That opening game against Charlotte, was not scheduled to be televised by anybody. And when I guess when the NBA found out that Charlotte wasn't doing the game, uh, they sort of reached out to us. And so that was put together in a matter of, you know, a day or so. Um, but yeah, I, I had my chart uh, ready for that. And then the last two home games, uh, New York and Houston, uh, they're probably as detailed as the charts I use in the regular season. So uh, you know, I, I work over during during the summer, uh, updating those charts, updating the rosters, making all the trades and free agency and rookies and all that kind of stuff. So I'm always usually pretty good uh, and in pretty good shape when the season starts. Oh, I always love hearing those behind the scenes details. But Chris, there's something about hearing you back on the air during preseason, having you back on the show that really makes it feel like the season is finally here. So feels good to have you back. But I'm just going to start from the top. Tyrese Halliburton, I mean, how do you feel that Tyrese has handled leadership and really being the face of the franchise and what will be his first full season as the undisputed leader and starting point guard for the Pacers? I think he's done a great job embracing uh, 
both on and off the floor. He's been very involved in the community in the off season, and you hear his voice, uh, you know, on the floor, especially at practice when we're at the Ascension St. Vincent Center. He had he had he had this to say a few weeks ago um, about leadership, and he said, "It's my responsibility. I feel." to lead this team and, and what this team does. And, and he wasn't necessarily talking about wins and losses, but how this team plays, how this team responds is a direct reflection of me. And so I take it upon myself uh, to make sure that, you know, we're, we're doing, you know, the proper things, the best things that we can do. Now we know in the course of a season uh, it's 82 games. Uh, you're going to have some nights or some days that aren't quite the way that you would like them to be. But uh, I just I just like the way he carries himself. He plays with a tremendous amount of joy. Um, he's got a smile on his face. Uh, he's vocal. Um, those are the things that that I've noticed, especially with this young group. And the coaching staff has has talked about that is just how vocal they are. And um, Terry Johnson is a, a friend of mine. He was an assistant at Butler many years ago. He was with Chris Holtman at Ohio State, and he's now at Purdue. And he was at practice, so oh, about a week ago. And after practice, he and I were talking with Ronald Norad, one of the assistants, and he said, "Hey, I was really impressed with how vocal your team is, with how they talk, um, you know, on both ends of the floor, but especially defensively." And so I think that's something that Tyrese has brought to the table. Um, he really wants his teammates to be engaged. Uh, it's not just his voice that needs to be heard, but clearly uh, he is somebody that has embraced this opportunity, and uh, I think he's going to run with it. You've been covering this team and, and you know calling games for a while now, and I'm just curious, looking at this team on paper compared to the other teams that you've covered, is there one that kind of, you know, gives you a little bit of a comparison here that you can kind of look back and say, it kind of reminds me of this era of Pacers basketball, or is this something completely new that you've never really seen before? Um, I, I would think it's a little bit new just because when you look at the roster with how young it is, uh, you know, prior to them making uh, the final cuts, uh, they had 10 players who were 22 years of age and younger and 12 players who were 24 years of age and younger. And I used a stat that I got from Chad Buchanan uh, over a week ago when he met with our entire staff at Pacer Sports Entertainment. Um, he, he put some numbers up on the board and I think it was 23 and a half and 25 and a half. And he goes, what are those numbers? And the 23 and a half was like the average age of the Pacers roster. The 25 and a half was the average age of the Fort Wayne Mad Ants roster, which is the G League affiliate of the Indiana Pacers. So um, I just think uh, we haven't seen anything like this. So for me, it's a little bit hard to compare this group to any group that I've seen in my 17 years, just because you have so much youth uh, on this team. And of those youthful players, so many of them you are counting on, right? I mean, in years past, I mean, think back uh, you know, to that run in 2012, 13, 14, when the Pacers played the Heat in the three playoff series and went to the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, Paul George was only in his second, third, and fourth year, but you had David West, you had George Hill, you had Roy Hibbert, you had uh, you had a number of players, veterans that were older and leading the way. You're looking at a lot of young 20-somethings that are leading the way with this group. So I would say it's it's probably different than anything that we've seen. You know, one of the 
the young players on this team that you mentioned is being counted on. Benedict Matherin, as someone who immediately catches your eye within moments of stepping on the court, is there a player that comes to mind that reminds you of his game or someone that he should strive to model his game after? Because this is not your typical Indiana Pacer rookie. There's something special going on here. Yeah, he's he does not have a rookie body, does he? No, he, he does not look like a rookie out there. I've heard some comparisons uh, to Dwayne Wade uh, from that standpoint. I think He's probably coming out of college, in, in my opinion, I think probably a better three-point shooter, better perimeter shooter. I think, you know, Dwayne Wade, uh, you know, developed that to me as his career went on. But, but I think Matherin has the same type of mindset that I'm going to try to get the ball in the basket any way possible. And, and I think one of the things we've seen, especially in the preseason, is his ability to, to get to the basket, not just finish, but also get to the free throw line. And uh, so I think that's a great strength of his. So, uh, you know, he's a guy that, you know, I, I think plays much older than his age. Is he going to have some highs and lows? Well, sure he is because uh, he's a rookie uh, in, his, in his first season in the NBA. But, but he definitely is somebody that you are excited about, not just for this year in the short term, but what he can and what he can probably do in a Pacers uniform uh, for the next five to eight years. I've been really impressed this this preseason with Andrew Nimhart. I think he's just looked really good as a backup point guard, and I know T.J. McConnell has that spot, but to me it just feels that's like it's going to be hard to keep him off the floor because of his passing ability. So what have your thoughts been on Andrew Nimhart, and what do you think his future looks like? Yeah, I think so. And, and Rick Carlisle has said, I think he's going to go pretty deep because he's got a lot of competition and a lot of guys who – are on equal footing. And, and so you may see him use 11, 12 players. And especially when you look at the, at the schedule, uh, when you have, you know, three and four nights, uh, I think I was looking um, when you, when you count the West coast road trip right after Thanksgiving, I think it's seven games in 12 days and you come back with three and four, you're looking at like 10 games in 16, 17 days. So I, I tend to think you're going to need a deep roster and you're going to need to use a number of players. And I think the one thing with Nemhard is, uh, even though he only ended up three for 12 uh, from three-point range in the preseason, um, I, I think he's a very capable three-point shooter. And that's probably one of the areas that you're really going to focus on uh, is three-point shooting. This wasn't a great three-point shooting team last year. Um, you know, they shot 29% in the preseason. They've got to be better than that. They, they don't have to be a top 10 three-point shooting team, but they need to be better than that. And, and I think Nemhard is somebody uh, who can uh, make the three. Uh, so uh, I was very impressed. He's, been, he's had a very impressive training camp. I mean, this is a guy that's played at a high level in college at Florida and Gonzaga. Uh, so uh, I, I would not be surprised to see him on the floor uh, in certain situations uh, late in games this year, possibly. Andrew Nimhart is definitely someone who has impressed me. I mean, he had, I want to say it was uh, 15 points, nine assists against the Knicks, also came up with seven assists, I want to say either the following game or, or maybe it was against Houston, actually. Uh, overall, I, I liked what I saw on the court, but another guy uh, playing the same position and a veteran, TJ McConnell, look, re-signed just about a season ago. However, a lot has changed since then, but 
his leader, his veteran leadership is so vital to this young core compared to maybe a James Johnson or a Daniel Tice where they don't know exactly what his role will be. McConnell has a more defined role. And how vital do you think he is to this Pacers team on the court this year? Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, a 25-win team last year, not like if T.J. McConnell was there, I'm not saying you would have been a playoff team. Mm-hmm. But clearly, you would have won more games last year, right? If, if yep. he would have been available uh, to play with that second unit, to play with some of the younger guys, that they definitely win more games. And uh, I think he's going to be a huge asset with that second unit. Right now, they, they have him paired in the backcourt with Matherin. Um, and I think Matherin does a great job of playing off TJ. When I was leaving uh, practice today, uh, I, I said to TJ, hey, do you think you can get uh, a stolen inbounds pass tomorrow? I think we need to, to keep to start from day one and keep track of how many times he either steals an inbounds pass after a basket or forces a turnover. Um, those are just things that that a lot of players just can't do. And it's just something that uh, he does to turn the tide in a game. Uh, you know, he he was definitely missed last year. I mean, he played 20-some games, then missed 50-plus games with that wrist injury and came back for the final three. So I think he will be a huge asset for the Pacers uh, coming off the bench. He's the type of guy, guys, uh, when a team has played three games in four nights and you've got him in game three uh, in that fourth night, you don't want to see T.J. McConnell, right? You, you don't want to see him hounding you all over the floor. So uh, especially... Um, in in those types of scenarios, he he can be a real pain in the butt, and you're just glad that he's on your team. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> TJ McConnell, it's going to be fun to watch him play this year with this young core. And I think, you know, looking way down the road, I would not be surprised if he's an assistant coach for the Indiana Pacers at some point with how much, you know, they love him and they view coaching for a future of his. So I, I, I'm excited to see what McConnell does this year. I know it's going to be a different role for him, but – you know, speaking of a guy that we're uh, familiar with is Miles Turner, and this is coming into his eighth season. You know, we got the Turner's Block fan section coming back that was announced today on Twitter. So, you know, it's it's obviously a different situation for Miles. But what was your overall thoughts on how the offseason played out, and what do you think the future looks like for Miles? Well, I mean, the one thing Miles said that you know he really, well, he he worked on his game individually. He he didn't play a lot of pickup this summer. He sort of saved that for when he got back to Indianapolis uh, to to play with his teammates. And um, I I just think the guy's a true pro. I mean, we've watched the guy grow up. It's his eighth year. He's the the longest tenured member of the Pacers. He's been been involved um, in trade discussions uh, for who knows how long. Yet he's handled things, I think, the right way. And he's he's looking forward to playing with this group. Remember, he never played with Halliburton and Heald and uh, uh, Jalen Smith. So this is a real opportunity for him. And when I look at what he did in the preseason, guys, the one thing I was super impressed with was his ability to get to the free throw line. I mean, he shot 18 free throws in 80 minutes. Um, and, and I think that could be huge for him. I mean, he... I thought he did a better job of attacking the rim. Again, he doesn't have DeMontis Sabonis, um, you know, on the inside. So now it's an opportunity for Miles in the pick and roll to roll more than he's done in the past. And I think that's got to be a mindset for him. We were talking to, to Tyrese the other day and he said, look, I asked Tyrese, how, how, can, how can you make, you know, Miles Turner better? And he said, you know, by, by, by getting in the pick and roll 
and giving him options to pick and pick and pop or or pick and roll. And so I, I just think if if he can get to the free throw line like he did, he shot 95% in the preseason. Uh, he had the second most free throw attempts behind Matherin. That will really help him, I think, especially offensively with the rest of his game. You know, I would have loved to – all great points over there, by the way. I, I am very excited to see Miles Turner with Halliburton in extended time instead of just, you know, roughly 20 minutes each in two preseason games, obviously, because the Pacers held out Halliburton for the last two preseason games. I felt that Rick played a little bit of this, maybe close to the chest in terms of not revealing his full hand. Do you expect to see maybe something on night one that we didn't really see preseason-wise with this group – Perhaps maybe a shakeup in the lineup or just kind of, uh, you know, Matherin getting a bit more playing time with Halliburton, anything of that sort? Yeah, I think that I think that could could be very true. I mean, I, I still think they will keep uh, Matherin coming in um, with the second unit. I think one of the things we did see, um, it was pretty consistent early in the preseason, was Miles was the first guy to sub out and then he subbed in and played a lot with that second unit with McConnell and Matherin. So I think that's that's definitely something we could easily see. I mean, I think the one thing that the, the Pacers have to get from, um, you know, that center position is, is Miles' play and, and his ability to block shots. But when Isaiah Jackson comes in, he cannot get into foul trouble. Like we saw Friday night, he came in in the Houston game and played one minute of the first half because he had two fouls. Um, you know, whether it's setting illegal screens or, or that type of thing. I mean, he's too valuable of a player uh, for the Pacers with his ability to get to the rim on the offensive end, his ability to block shots on the defensive end. He's, he's got to be able to, to be on the floor. Um, so I think all those things are going to factor in to what Rick Carlisle does as far as rotation is concerned. Um, you know, I think he has a lot of options and I, I think we'll see a lot of those options, especially early in the year. Someone that had a strong Pacers preseason debut was Aaron Neesmith. And unfortunately, dealing with plantar fascia, we're unsure if he's going to play tomorrow. It seems like he's questionable. But what was your first impression of Aaron Neesmith? And maybe what have you thought about him and what you've been able to see at training camp and practices? Yeah, I mean, the good thing was he was out on the practice floor today. Um, and, and so, you know, hopefully that plantar fascia, you know, has responded. We'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, you know, I knew he was a, a really good player, and I did my research to go back, you know, when he was at Vanderbilt. He, he only played 14 games his last year because he got hurt, and he was shooting 52% from three-point range. Um, he came into the NBA as a really good shooter, but those numbers have not been there um, in Boston. Now, he had a lot of sporadic playing time because he was behind Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Um, so I, I expect, guys, that he will be a better three-point shooter, uh, you know, this year in his Pacers uh, career than he will be, um, you know, in the NBA. 27% uh, last year. He was 30 37% as a rookie, so 32% overall. I mean, he's a guy, I was talking to somebody from the Pacers analytics department earlier today while we were watching practice, and, and we talked about his three-point shooting, and we said, you know, if he can get that to 36, 37, 38%, then it's going to be hard to keep him off the floor um, and, and getting quality bench minutes. If, if you're shooting at that level and you make two to three per game, 
that's only going to help your team. So it'll be interesting to see how he responds, how he can come back from this plantar fascia. Uh, they were hopeful that he would be ready tomorrow night for opening night. Again, he was out on the practice floor today, which was was good. We'll just have to wait and see uh, how that foot responds uh, from the injury. Now, Chris Duarte delivered one of the better rookie seasons for a Pacer in quite some time. Yet, it just feels like there's so many players ahead of him that we hear more about. Some rightfully so, some maybe not so much. You know, what are your vibes about Chris Duarte going into year two where it looks like he's going to have a starting spot over here in in a year where you anticipate taking a step forward as a sophomore? Yeah, I mean, he's 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 much stronger than he was a year ago. Um, you know, didn't didn't play, what, the final 12-plus games, played 55 last year. Uh, shot 37% from three. I mean, he's one of the Pacers' better three-point shooters, so they're going to need that uh, because I, I still think that is going to be a stat to keep an eye on. Uh, I think we all know, the three of us know in this NBA today, I mean, the three-point shot is so prevalent. One of the stats that I, I use, guys, is how many times uh, does a team make 10 or more threes? And, you know, that number now is creeping up every year. I mean, you have teams making – you know, in, in 82 games, you know, 70 times easily they're making 10 threes. I mean, most teams are averaging 10 per game. So I think that's going to be a huge asset that the Pacers are going to need uh, from Chris Duarte. And, you know, watching practice, uh, Rick Carlisle does not want him passing up opportunities from three-point range. You've got to shoot that with confidence. Uh, you're going to miss some. But uh, you've got to be willing to take those shots. And, and I think this year uh, we need to see him do a little bit more of that. I mean, think back a year ago, uh, his first game as a pro, he goes uh, to Charlotte and scores, what, 27 points. Yep. Um, so he, he definitely is another one of those guys. I, I think he plays without a lot of fear. I just think he's got to be more willing uh, to take those shots because that's only going to help the team. I love Chris Duarte. I think he's a great fit for this team. You know, I, I'm going to constantly get, you know, dragged into the conversation of being a Duarte hater because of, you know, my reaction on Twitter when they didn't take Moses Moody, which, you know, I'll live with it. But I feel like Duarte has been a really nice piece for this young team, and I think he's going to continue to be that strong piece that holds kind of the glue together a little bit in that starting lineup just because of what he can do on both sides of the floor. But another guy that can probably do that but is in a lesser role off the bench is Terry Taylor. I feel like when he's in the game, you always see good things happen, but it's probably not as flashy as maybe a Mather and Dunk or something like that. But can you talk to me a little bit about Terry Taylor, what you've seen from him and what you like about his game? Yeah, he, he's definitely stronger. I don't know you know, if you guys can tell that watching on television. I, I, we were talking about it today, just his arms. His arms look like uh, tree trunks now, tree limbs. Uh <laughs> He has really worked on his three-point shot. I mean, it's something that he feels and the team feels can be an asset for him. He, he only made 12 last year and shot 32%. So uh, if he can do that, it just puts a little bit more pressure on teams because he's so good uh, in, in scoring around the rim. At 6'5", he just does things that that you can't believe he's doing in traffic when guys are 6'8", 6'9", 6'10". And then the other thing he does so well is offensive rebound. Uh, nearly 60% of his rebounds last year were on the offensive end. So he gives you opportunity for second chance points. Um, and, and he's a guy, uh, it, it will be interesting to see because guys sort of float in and float out of the rotation. And this is 
I think where you guys, we were talking about how many players will Rick Carlisle play because he's out there in a situation with O'Shea Brissett, who really ended the year last year very strong. I mean, put up some huge offensive numbers. Pacers didn't win games, but he still put up some impressive numbers. So you sort of have Taylor and Brissett there. Um, I, I think both can help you and both may help you differently and in different situations. I mean, you may go a while where it's Terry Taylor, and then it may be a maybe a string of games where it's O'Shea Brissett getting those minutes off the bench. I, I think again, you have a lot of players that are are pretty comparable. Uh, so it it might be riding the guy who you think is hotter right now, and that's how you 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 use guys off the bench. Man, Chris, I'm going to be honest that the O'Shea Brissett situation in preseason felt like it could have brought a tear to my eye. It is someone I'm rooting for, but it just felt like his role is going to be a little bit hard to carve out. But, hey, he dealt with this last year at the beginning of the season, receiving a few different, you know, did not play coach's decision. Ended up, just like you mentioned, playing really well down the stretch. But we just had Langston Galloway on the show. Unfortunately, just got waived from the Pacers over the weekend. James Johnson wins that 15th spot on the roster. Do you think this is where the Pacers really emphasize, hey, we got a 13-year veteran over here who's been around the block and can really help this young team out compared to maybe going with a player who is less proven but has higher upside in this league? Yeah, I, I think probably one of the reasons uh, the Galloway move was made, and he's a true pro, I mean, just a, a great guy, is when the Pacers were able to get Treble and Queen, you know, Philadelphia released him. I mean, this is the reigning G League uh, MVP and a Love guy that can put, yeah, a guy that can put the ball in the basket. So if you're now looking at the roster, um, you probably feel like in a James Johnson, what you get in the locker room, what you get off the floor, but it gives you another quality big that you know, you may have to utilize at some point because of injuries and those types of things. So uh, probably when they had a chance to get Queen um, and they and they snapped him up as quick as possible, um, that probably set the table for James Johnson. Now, the other thing is, is, is James Johnson has a history with Rick Carlisle. I mean, he, he was in Dallas uh, for a brief time with Rick. So Rick knows what he can bring to the table. Uh, think back, you know, James Johnson had four really good years in Miami. Uh, so, you know, everybody talks about heat culture. Uh, you know, there is a culture there that they have put together uh, with Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra. So, uh, you know, he's he's played at a high level. He's played on a lot of good teams and, and is somebody that I think can help these young guys uh, learn what it's like to be an NBA player. Yeah, no, that's that's great. And I um I got a quick question for you here. I don't know if you can talk too much about this, but I'm just curious if you can. I mean, Malcolm Brogdon openly talked about how the Pacers kind of gave him a few different options in, in terms of where he could get traded to. And he ultimately picked Boston and the Pacers found a deal with Boston. Um this is something we really haven't seen before from the Pacers, or at least it's not been open like this. And I'm just curious, do you think that speaks good on on the Pacers in terms of their willingness to try to find a good spot for him? Because you know, they're heading in a different direction? Or do you think this is something that they probably wish would have been kept off the record? No, I I, I think the Pacers, I mean, you know, it's they're, they're very transparent and they've even become more transparent, I think. You know, look at, look at, you know, what they've talked about this year. I mean, pretty, pretty blunt in, hey, it's a reset. We love our core. They're young. We want to grow them. 
Uh, you know, sure, we we want to have some short-term success, but we're really doing this for the long game, for the for the big picture. And and so I think that goes a long way in in my estimation of uh, you know telling other players throughout the league what kind of front office you have. And and so that can only be a good thing. I mean, Malcolm Brogdon had nothing but but positives to say about his experience with the the Pacers. And, you know, it was unfortunate. I I talked with somebody today. As you look back over the last couple of years, as you were putting this roster together, when you were down in the bubble, what, you were the the four seed, right? Mm -hmm. uh, The four seed. And you were bringing all those guys back, T.J. Warren, Brogdon, Sabonis, Turner, uh, you know, McConnell. You had this veteran team, but it just never panned out. And most of it because of injuries. And so I think it's I think it says a lot about a front office that would sit down with a player that uh, is a veteran that is a very good player. I mean, he averaged 19 points a game last year for the Pacers. He was one of their, you know, their top players. But in moving to a different direction, uh, the Pacers front office was able to you know steer him in a in a place that made sense for him. But but let's figure it out. It also had to make sense for the Pacers. I mean, they also had to make sure that they were getting assets in return uh, for Malcolm Brogdon, and and they got a a player in Neesmith that they think uh, can be of help, and he fits the timeline. And then they got a first-round draft pick. So uh, while they were were amenable to Malcolm's wishes, they also had to make sure that it worked out for the Pacers in the long run as well. Oh, no doubt. And if Neesmith is anything like what he looked like in game one of the preseason, then the Pacers absolutely got themselves a good enough return and made both parties happen. But Chris, I know Halloween is right around the corner, but in my opinion, the Eastern Conference is a very scary place this year. It is far more competitive than in years past. Who do you see as the team perhaps representing the East when it's all said and done in the NBA Finals? Uh, wow. Um <laughs> you know, I could I could see uh, I could see Milwaukee making a a, a comeback. Uh, you know, winning it a couple of years ago, not making it to the finals last year. Uh, you know, Giannis probably set to have a a, a really good year. They're very deep again, um, so I, I could see Milwaukee doing that. Um, yeah, I, I'm just I just I don't know if there's a. I, I still think there's enough chaos in Brooklyn and Philadelphia, though if you look at Philadelphia's depth, uh, they're very strong. But but I think I would I would look at Milwaukee uh, in, in a situation where they feel like they could get back to the NBA Finals and win a second title in three years. Yeah, I, I think I'm right there with you. It's, it's going to be tough. The Eastern Conference is definitely much more loaded, and I think we're going to see how it all plays out. Uh, tonight's going to be a great preview between the the Sixers and the Bucks, or the, excuse me, the Celtics as well. So that's going to be a fun one. But uh, you know, uh, really enjoyed your your interview with Kevin Pritchard on the season preview on Valley Sports. That'll be airing tomorrow at five thirty. If you didn't catch it on Monday night, so uh, five thirty before tip off. You know, five thirty to six thirty is the pregame or the season preview, I should say, and then six thirty is when you guys kick off pregame. So. Uh, we're really excited, Chris. You know, it's going to be another great season of Pacers basketball with you and, and Quinn. I think you guys are calling all 82 games this year, right? Yeah, we have all 82. Uh, there's, one, there's, there's one ESPN game uh, that is a week from Friday in D.C. against Washington, but we will do it side by side. So uh, it, it makes it easy for fans. I mean, they know where to get it. Um, uh, you know, what, what I like to tell people 
is uh, they, they've created the, the Bally Sports Plus option for those people that have YouTube and Hulu and Sling. Uh, but in, in the Indianapolis area, 80, we still are in 85% of homes uh, when you think about all the people that have cable. I have AT&T, Uverse. You've got people with Xfinity and Spectrum and, you know, all the different cable packages. So, yeah, I think it makes it nice and, and easy for fans to know there, there's one stop that you can go to to watch Pacers games, and that's Valley Sports Indiana. Yeah, for sure. I have DirecTV streams, so I've got them all right there uh, lined up and ready to record. The nice thing about DirecTV stream is they, you know, they record the entire game and they know yeah. like, to stop it. So it is, it is nice. It's not one of those things where you have to record the, the post-game show, just in case the game goes over. But obviously, you want to watch that, too. But um, with that being said, I'm just I'm just going to let you know, moving forward this season, my goal is to try to find a Quinn quote from every game. Uh, my, my favorite one was him talking about the golfing <laughs> on the first night against the Hornets. He said, uh, it doesn't really have anything to do with basketball, but I like that they can play golf. <laughs> it's just like, okay. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I had somebody, I, I went to pick up Carrie out the other night and uh, one of the places that I go to and uh, the guy behind the counter, he goes, Hey, can you tell me when we're going to get a smothered chicken? I said, Hey, I have no control over that. Hopefully, hopefully with Isaiah Jackson and Miles Turner this year, there should be ample opportunities for Quinn uh, to have some smothered chicken. So hopefully that'll happen on a regular basis. And just got to hope for the best. Isaiah had 10 blocks in limited fashion in the preseason, so I do think we're in good hands. We already know what we're getting out of Miles Turner. But, Chris, I really appreciate you coming back on and tell everybody where they can find you at on social media. Yep, uh, easy to find me on Twitter, at Chris Denary. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm active. I mean, I'll get more active as the season starts. Uh, but but uh, I am on Instagram. My my kids tell me I should post more on Instagram. Uh, I uh, but probably the the place where you'll find me the most is uh, uh, you'll, you'll find me on Twitter at Kristenary. I'm on Facebook as well. Absolutely, and we got the new Connecticut commercials as well. So everybody, make sure you guys are keeping an eye out for all those if you've missed them in preseason. But with that being said, Chris, thanks so much for joining us, and we can't wait to have you back on later this season. All right, thanks, guys. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Not sure when you're listening to this podcast, whether it's Tuesday night, whether it's Wednesday morning or Wednesday afternoon, whatever you're, uh, whenever you're listening to this, we just want to thank you all so much and hope you guys are excited about the Pacers season starting as we are, Fachi, because this is going to be a really fun time just to see this young team grow. It really is. It look, it, it's a weird feeling for all of us, whether you guys, you know, for the people listening, for Alex and I right over here, this is territory that we haven't been in before. So it's going to be interesting. We're trying to figure this out on the fly. I've never openly rooted for the Pacers to lose. So that's, that's going to take some getting used to because I don't want to just lose every game. No one wants to be, you know, rooting for a team that just can't win, period. But I want to find the positives amongst the season and really be able to find some joy in that. No, you're 100% right. I mean, we just we got to find the positive moments and there's going to be times when the team doesn't look good. There's going to be things we're talking about, things we're pointing out, but at the same time, I think that's expected. You know, I've heard Rick Carlisle now on a couple of different interviews talking about this is a year of growth. You know, we're always going to be the underdog. If you look at the rest of the, the league, you know, where Vegas predicted us to finish win loss record wise, he understands why we're there, but he said, wow, what a competitive uh, edge that gives us to try to prove people wrong and always be that underdog. So, you know, that's one way to look at it, but that's also another way of saying 
Yeah, we're we're, we're not that talented. <laughs> oh yeah, there's so many different ways to sugarcoat this team. One thing that I was very happy to not hear from KP is he has officially dropped the statement of Ooh, we're going to be a tough out. I have not heard that and it has been music to my ears not hearing that because I'm very glad that we're past that. It became nails on a chalkboard. Now, however you want to, you know, sugarcoat a, a rebuild, that's fine. But that last statement, oh, man, it was starting to irk us. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it, Fachi. I mean, that, that was one of the uh, one of the lines that I always <laughs> laugh at when I hear him, when I hear him yeah. say it. Now it's uh, at the end of the day. He always says that in every interview that he does. So, mm-hmm. Uh, that's a drinking game for you there, Fachi. But with that being said, this wraps up our last episode before Pacers basketball is officially back for the regular season. So let the people know where they can find us out on social media to keep up with all of our content throughout the year. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at setting the pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Yeah, go to YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast. Our recent interview is there with Langston Galloway. You can also check out my debut episode of the Blue and Gold in a YouTube exclusive show that will only be available there, obviously. Uh, myself and Kevin Bowen did a little bit of a season preview there. And if you're not already, please check out my Substack, the Blue and Gold, and subscribe to that. It's on my on my Twitter page. I'll make sure to put a link up in there so you guys can see it. But with that being said, Fachi, if you're excited that Pacers basketball is officially back, then say these three words. Let's go Pacers! Let's go Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com